You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Well, it's that time in the month that I always look forward to where I'm joined. Well, I'm normally joined by Hannah Rees, and uh, today I'm not because she's feeling a bit poorly today. But she sent the lovely Liz Soft. Good morning to you, Liz. Good morning. Yeah. So uh, when did you discover that you were in the hot seat? Um, probably about 7.30 this morning. <laughs> yes. Well, you look very relaxed and so on. You know, And we're, we have all been commenting on this lovely mild weather and so on. Have you had a holiday? Did you have a nice break over Christmas? Yeah, I had a lovely couple of weeks off with my children and husband. So, yeah, it's nice. Fantastic. Now, for people who don't know, tell us a wee bit about... Uh, what you do in Cannes, what's your job, and, 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 and also tell us a wee bit about Cannes, because not everybody knows what it is. No, right, so I'll start by, a Community Action Network is, I describe it as a charity that supports charities, so we work with over 600 organisations across Dorset, and we support them on setting up as a charity, we connect different community groups together, and the role that I do is helping organisations to find volunteers, but also helping volunteers to find volunteer roles. What a fantastic job! Mm-hmm. I mean, I always say that the volunteers are the salt of the earth, aren't they? Mm. And particularly, of course, I know that Cam was very involved during the, the COVID period, and I think there were 2,000 people came forward from our local area to help. Yes, you know? yeah. Uh, but um, but anyway, you're working with volunteers all the time. What's your view of them? Brilliant. There, do you know what? There's so much that volunteers can give to organisations and many organisations couldn't run without mm. the support of volunteers. So I think they they are fantastic. Mm. And of course, I, I say, and this may sound a bit strange, you know, but I often say to people, it's OK to be selfish as a volunteer. And what I mean by that is that sometimes the only way to if you like, put your foot in the water uh, to, to see whether you like something or not or or even to test your skills is to go and do it, you mm. know. And of course, a lot of volunteers, w- when they step out and they, they volunteer a periphery of ways, of course, that people help, but of course, then they get the bug. <laughs> and, uh, and then you have a different problem because then you have to say, listen, you don't have to let your life be taken over mm-hmm. by working with whichever organisation. Yeah, Do you find that you've got to almost protect volunteers? Yeah, they, um, there's, so mu- there's so much that volunteers actually get out of volunteering and, the, and that's what's fed back to me, that they actually get more out of it that they think than, than they put in. But yeah, you're right. There's so many really interesting organisations out there and so much to do that you could really use the skills that you have to sort of get involved and use them to your best well, it's, a, it's a win-win situ- yeah. situation, isn't completely. Now, I know that you had some uh, roadshows recently, yes. uh, and I know part of part of that was to introduce potential volunteers mm-hmm. to new organisations and so on. How, how did that go? Yeah, really well. We had uh, the week after, so it was beginning um, in January, we had three volunteer fairs, one in Paul, one in Bournemouth and one in Christchurch and really well attended. Really lovely to see everyone coming in and talking to the different organisations that were there about the roles that they have and just to speak to someone in face-to-face which is sort of, you know, we're getting back to that. That's fantastic. And did you get lots of people coming forward? Yeah, we had probably over 200 volunteers 
um, over that over those three events come along and have a chat. So that's really really well attended. That's fantastic. Well, the other thing, of course, I should say to you is that we're not for volunteers. Of course, a lot of the work, the very valuable work that they do, just wouldn't happen, would it? I, I guess the local authority uh, must be very happy with you, uh, you know, because really, uh, in a way, the work that those folk are doing, the local authority hasn't got money to fund. No. Nobody's got money to fund mm. it, actually. Of course, that's one of the challenges, because I guess it's for many organisations, keeping the wheels turning, you know, getting the funds in, very difficult, yeah? Yeah, very difficult. And I think, especially now, there's a lot of organisations that are struggling financially um, and everyone sort of seems to be going for the same grants and pots of money um, and volunteers are vital for keeping services going for organisations. Yeah. So what what gives you the greatest fulfilment in your job? Uh, I think it's finding somebody a volunteer role that maybe they've been struggling with mental health or feeling isolated but getting them out there doing something and seeing the difference it makes in their lives I think that's the biggest biggest uh, thrill for me. Now obviously uh, every every month we have this community hero in the spotlight uh, are you involved in selecting the winners? Yes oh, we all yeah. get to choose. Yeah. So what's the process? I mean you come up with a theme now I know that the February's theme is mental health mm-hmm. isn't it? So you come up with a theme every month and then you invite organisations to pitch Yes. and a lot do don't they? Yes they do. But then here's the thing how on earth do you and your team <laughs> select just one? And sometimes, of course, it's two. Yes, yeah. yeah. So we, we have to read through the pitches and then vote um, for who we think should be the winners. Well, tell us a wee bit more about what is the February theme? February theme is around mental health um, and children. OK. And the organisation is, wait for it... <laughs> So our community hero in the spotlight this month is Wired Therapy. Hooray! <clears throat> well, I'm delighted to say that I'm, I'm joined by another Liz. It's very confusing. I think I think they've set they've set out to totally confuse me uh, uh, today. So Liz Edge uh, is is my guest, and she's representing Wired Therapy. Uh, uh, Liz, tell us a wee bit. I mean, Wired Therapy is a strange name, and in fact, I think at the beginning of the program, I was telling you that in my confused mind, I kept thinking it was wicked. <laughs> You know, but of course, wicked is a wicked is a term for young people use. It's great, you know. So it's it's wicked wired therapy. It's not really. So it's, I added the wicked in. But mm. tell us a wee bit about how did the organisation come to be? Mm. So Wired started um, back in 2018, um, ultimately as a response to the growing need for young people to more easily access mental health support. And that was really important for me, both as a young person um, when I was a a teenager, but also as um, somebody, as a youth worker and as a therapist, seeing the, the real need for mental health support for young people. I mean, you, you've said there about the challenges, but it's blooming impossible for young people. I mean, we take the CAM service, for example. Mm. That I, I know that there's a huge waiting list and, and so on. And, and of course, and I guess COVID didn't help matters. Mm. I've heard some people say that, that in terms of mental health and young people, there's a tsunami of tremendous need. Have you found that? Absolutely, absolutely. The CAMS crisis is huge. Um, you're looking, you know, 18 months often for support from CAMS and that's for um, often for severe cases of mental health support. And so I think... 
COVID really exacerbated that. Mm. Um, and what we're seeing is a lot of young people come through because um, CAMS has rejected their referrals and CAMS very much is in crisis in, in need of support in itself. And so young people are coming through really wanting that support both in their earlier stages but also in their later stages. But I suppose that that established very clearly uh, the need for what you guys do. Mm. Uh, now, tell us what you do do. So, so I'm a young person, right? Hardly I... Well, pretend I am. Uh, <laughs> uh, so how do I how do I get in contact with you? How do you even know about what you guys do? Mm. So Wired Therapy supports young people aged 11 to 25 years old, so during that adolescent phase. And so young people can refer themselves to our support, so we offer one-to-one therapy. And so they can go to our website, wiredtherapy.co.uk, or they can find us on our social channels as well, at Wired Therapy. And they can put in a referral for themselves, or perhaps a parent or carer can put in a referral as well. You must be in India, it? Yeah, it's really interesting to see where the referrals come from and who is referring kind of themselves or, or other people. But I mean, I've said in and did it. I mean, have you been in and did it? Yes, definitely. We definitely get a lot of referrals coming through um, and it's about processing those referrals and seeing who okay. would be the most appropriate. OK, so I've made the contact. I've, 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 I've got on your website. I've mm. maybe phoned you up and I've said, I'm Blair, I'm desperate to need to talk to you or whatever. Mm. Um, what happens then? Yeah, so what we do is then we invite you to an initial consultation and that is um, up to 50 minutes for you and I to explore actually, is this appropriate? Is this therapeutic relationship going to be appropriate for mm-hmm. you? And by appropriate, we mean actually, is this going to work? It's going to work for you. Yeah, is yeah. it going to work for you? And I suppose also like putting a young person at their ease and and, and also developing a, a bond of trust. Absolutely. That, that must be quite challenging. Absolutely. And trust is, you know, a really core foundation of that therapeutic relationship. Creating mm-hmm. a safe space to be heard and seen is a really core value of ours. Now, if I said then said to you, well, I've read on your website about therapy, but I have no idea what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you, how would you explain what you do to me? Yeah, I would say that we create a space once a week where you can come and feel seen and heard. And for some people that is talking therapy, so we kind of sit and we talk it out. And for others that maybe mean that we work a bit more creatively. So maybe that we do some artwork together. It may be that we listen to music together. It's about what works for you in that therapeutic space. And of course you're working with a very broad age range, aren't you? Mm. Did you say 11 to 25? 11 to 25. So, I mean, that's a big, that's a big I guess, different strokes for different people. Mm different approaches yeah absolutely yeah it's that real human approach mm-hmm. and, and and what are the the sort of brickbats that you come up against you know i mean that the young people express i mean there must be a great deal of frustration and anger because mm-hmm. i guess many of them perhaps have been waiting for some time mm-hmm. to get somebody like you to talk mm-hmm. to them yeah, they definitely have. And I think that's one of the things that often we see is people are quite surprised at how quickly they can see us. Normally within two weeks that they can have an initial consultation and then a further week ahead that they can come and then start therapy with us. Well, let's look at the other end of the scale. So I've gone through the therapy and we'll talk a wee bit more about that, what, what actually happens in the process. But let's assume I've gone through it. Um, what am I likely to be like at the end of it? 
Yeah, so often our clients, it's a real privilege to be able to see them at that other side. And often they say that they feel more confident in themselves. They feel lighter. They feel that they've got more headspace. They feel that perhaps they can handle life's challenges in a better way. And even if perhaps those external factors they can't change, like going to school, sitting exams, actually they can face it in a better way. Now, tell us a bit about yourself, because I mean, how many therapists have you got? Mm, so at the moment, we've got two therapists. So you're the, you're, you're the man. You're the woman. Mm. <laughs> and uh, uh, in an ideal world, how many could you do with? Well, I think it's about continually expanding it uh-huh. and about finding those higher quality therapists to join our team. Well, tell us a wee bit more about your journey. I mean, of all the things that you could have done in life, um, mm. why this particular area? I think my background is in youth work practice. So mm. I am so passionate about young people and mm. particularly that adolescent age group. And I think young people often are um, ignored in society and often seen as a nuisance when actually they can be the most innovative thinkers and wonderful people in society. And that is who I'll continue to advocate for. Mm. And I think being in the youth work sphere and then seeing that mental health crisis then really threw me into going, OK, let's train in therapy and go in that world. Well, I trained as a youth worker myself although I must say that I never got into the therapy training did, did you have to do some uh, specialist training f- mm. for the for the particular therapy that you're you're using absolutely yeah so my degree is in youth work and theology and then I went on to do my diploma in therapeutic counseling and that then enables me to work ethically and professionally as a therapist that's interesting theology as mixed with you for it so why the theology bit yeah so um i was kind of growing up um, i wasn't a christian and then i found the christian faith and for me that was really important to merge that with youth work practice both in the secular and non-secular sphere but i suppose even that can be a problem for some and very sadly it has been a problem for so many because i guess that many people i, I don't say this to do the church down mm. But it is a fact that many people don't trust the church and, in fact, have been very hurt by people in it. Mm. Uh, Have you come up against that? Hugely, hugely. And personally, I have, absolutely. Mm. Um, Definitely. Personally? Yeah, absolutely. And church isn't necessarily a place that I go to regularly nowadays. Mm. Um, But it's definitely a firm foundation within kind of my personal life, I would Mm. say. So I guess that... that those challenges we're not going to talk about the challenges mm. but but would you say they've made you stronger as a person absolutely absolutely and i think those lessons can really help us grow and develop as people and i think that has really helped me as a therapist well now you're married and mm. uh, is, you, is your husband a youth worker or is he doing something entirely different oh my husband um he is doing something completely different he works for a coffee company called indigo valley i've heard of them yeah, yeah. good coffee good coffee yeah. apparently that in itself you know good coffee can be very therapeutic yeah. and has lots of health qualities it does now whether it helps your mental health or not (laughs) i don't know have you got the bottom of that one well i think a good cup of coffee can help in lots of ways Uh, now what about a family have you have you got a family yet um no we don't have children oh no you have lots of children but they're other people's children aren't they we do have wonderful godchildren and we have um, a lovely fluff ball called leo oh fantastic you're listening to community now on hope fm with keith jones bookshop serving the community for over 50 
50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Got the, the lovely Liz Edge. I've got two Liz's in the studio this morning. Liz Soft and Liz, Liz Edge. Talking about wired therapy. Basically helping young people uh, uh, between the ages of 13 and 25, yeah? Five. Yeah, indeed. It's a big, big, big choice. Now, the cor- let's talk a wee bit about the actual course itself because it's the course takes place over 12 weeks, yeah? So, yeah, so young people can come for therapy and um, for our pay-what-you-can-afford model, they can receive 12 therapy sessions for a price that they can afford. Now, explain a wee bit about therapy because mm. it, is it counselling? Mm. For the uninitiated, how would you describe therapy? Yeah, so it absolutely is counselling that we offer. Yeah, so it is that safe space to talk about your thoughts, feelings and experiences. Yeah. Uh, as you've done that, I mean, how many young people have you worked with personally? It must be loads. <laughs> mm, yes. Oh, I need to check my client log to give you that exact number. But yes, I've worked with a lot of young people through the times. A lot. And I guess it, the, the, for, for yourself, I guess there's two things, isn't there? Uh, one is, I guess, the, I suppose the sadness at the mm. pain that so many young people suffer. But I guess that with that, this comes compassion mm. uh, and knowing that in your hand is the tools to help them. Uh, and um, uh, so 12 weeks, uh, how quickly do, do peop, young people sort of settle into it, you know, to be able to, I mean, do they control what they talk about? Yeah, absolutely. So it's very, very kind of client-led in the way that we work. Mm-hmm. And so it's up to them what they want to share. And so in that initial kind of consultation, so that first time that we meet together, we'll explore actually what are your hopes and wishes for therapy? What do you want to get out of this space? And kind of go, okay, what what is the goal here in a way? What is that outcome that you want to explore? And we'll explore that together. So I suppose that in different ways they tell you their story. Mm. which no doubt it involves all sorts of terrible challenges and so on, things that really have disturbed them greatly. Yeah, it can be. And it can be for those that perhaps have been through a lot of kind of deep trauma, but also it can be for those that perhaps need that extra bit of boost of resilience. Yeah, well, of course, young, we all need confidence, don't we? But mm. young people are in those formative years and they need a lot of confidence, don't they? And in, and in a way, it, it would normally be their right to get that confidence from all sorts of adults and so on but of course sadly that's not always the case absolutely sometimes young people aren't from perhaps a family background or a school or a home situation where they can learn those core skills to believe in themselves Mm -hmm. and therapy can really offer that you know i interviewed somebody who's now the head of youth for christ Uh, you know he couldn't read nor write Mm. and he, he was in school not being able to read nor write his teachers didn't know he couldn't read and write and Consequently, of course, what he did was because he didn't want to read uh, and embarrass himself in front of his mates, of course, he did everything possible to get chucked out of the classroom. He's now got a university, well, he's got a degree, a Bible college degree and so on, and and is leading Youth for Christ's work in Dorset. So it is amazing, isn't it, how people can utterly transform from where they are to where God really wants them to be. Mm. Yeah. Uh, now, on the questions of faith, of course, I guess you've got to be quite careful there because I know you, you're passionate about your, your faith and so on. But I guess that uh, because you know, it's not always easy to talk to young people about that unless they want to. Absolutely. So um, we don't offer Christian counselling. Absolutely yeah. not. So why therapy is not a, a faith based organisation. Um, and so it's very mm. much open to, to kind of anybody there. Mm. And that's very much kind of a yeah a personal side for me. And in those that come and want to explore their faith, we can absolutely do that. But in a way, you're doing Christian counselling, aren't you? Because you're God's person, aren't you? And, and you're doing it in, in, a, in a professional way. And I think personally that that makes God smile. So mm. you are doing Christian counselling. Maybe you're not 
being upfront about talking necessarily about God. But I have no doubt that young people in your presence will feel confidence, will feel encouraged, will feel able. And I know that you have seen that. Mm. So don't don't discount the fact that God is with you always mm. and, and loves those young people that you are seeking to help. As if you love them, he loves them so much more. Mm. The funding. Uh, how much would it normally cost for the 12 weeks? Yeah, so we work, um, yeah, for those 12 sessions on this pay what you can afford model. And so it really depends what they can afford. And so for us, um, it's about them. And we say, come for those 12 sessions. We recognise that not everybody can afford the full cost of therapy. Mm -hmm. And so for us, that starts at £45 and goes up to £80. For the session, yeah. For yeah. per session, yeah, yeah, because that depends um, on our sliding scale based mm-hmm. on household income is how our standard model works. And then the pay what you can afford model, they can come and pay for li- as little as £5 per therapy session. Now, obviously, at the end of the month, uh, mm. you've got to get your paycheck. Absolutely. <laughs> Otherwise, Nick is not going to be a happy bunny, is it? Absolutely. Uh, and uh, But so you have real costs of the charity. Mm. I, I take you are a charity or, or a community mm. interest company. We are, yes. Yeah. We're a community interest company, so we're a not-for-profit. So that that budget, what, what does it look like? So we get funding from different organisations. So things like um, Dorset Community Foundation, the National Lottery, Magic Little Grants. We are constantly trying to apply for grants so that we can provide affordable, high quality therapy for young people. And and the costs of doing, I mean, give me some idea of the of the of the true costs of, of running the organisation. Mm, well, you need to speak to my wonderful accountant Andy for okay. all the di- all the digital numbers there. Yeah. Um, but it costs a lot of money to provide high quality therapy yeah. because it's not just sitting down having a nice little chit chat mm. there's um, professional services that are involved all sorts of things like insurance all sorts of things so the message is if, if you're a young person listening to this or if you're, if you're mom and dad or if you're granny and granddad or if you're un- aunt and uncle or not even related to them mm. but you know of a young person who is really suffering because of their mental health then I think the message that Liz is sending to you is don't hold back uh, it, go to that website which is wiretherapy.co.uk wiretherapy.co.uk make the first contact of course you have to get permission of the young person you know so don't be doing anything without their permission but if you have their permission then then do it and don't let money be a question uh, because uh, that will be provided in one well clearly it is being provided Mm -hmm. in one way or another but what I I want to finish basically on on the note of, of the impact that the therapy makes Mm. because we're talking about very vulnerable young people we're talking about great injustices against them Mm -hmm. of the most terrible kind in some cases Mm. Uh, having been in the fostering panel for many years one of the things I had to do every week was to read a hundred page reports about Mm. the breakdown of family life and the impact that that had on the children and young people it was very difficult to read those reports. And I'm so pleased to hear that there's you and other organisations mm-hmm. uh, as well. So well done for that. But just emphasise, tell us a wee bit more. We want you to leave giving us a big high note so that we're all on cloud nine. I know there are many mm-hmm. challenges, but the difference that your work makes, tell us just not specific people, but, mm. but think of a story. Maybe somebody that comes to mind, call them by a strange name, Archie McFarren or whatever, uh, and, and just tell us something about how the process helped them. Yeah, I guess... 
when it comes to the work that we do, one of the, the real privileges of, of serving young people is seeing that transformative change in their lives. And I guess when um, I think of um, kind of a particularly young person that I've worked with in school before, seeing the way that they can then re-engage in school at the end can be really lovely in that sense of them feeling that they've got that higher self-esteem, that actually they are worthy of love and belonging, that they are a worthy person in society can bring about such positive change both academically for them which obviously schools really want but also for them in themselves to see that they are valuable and worthy is such an honour as a human in society to see and for me as the therapist to work with them alongside and that particular young person really had no self-worth and to work with them was a real privilege. Our community, your radio station.